loved it because I it sh- it showed the 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 depth of college radio and what you can really get away with in college radio. So I was like, that is so cool. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Eric Klein. I'm a host and producer of the program. My name is Paul Reismanel, and I'm another host and producer. And joining us on Skype is Jennifer Waits, another Radio Survivor. Yay! You're, and you're you're a co-host at this point. You're on frequently <laughs> enough that I think you you are not a guest. If Paul and I are lucky, Jennifer is a, a host and producer of the program as well. Oh, thank you so much. But only only when we're lucky. <laughs> only when you have time. So this week, you've, you've completed a ton more radio tours. It seems like just yesterday, you had, you had done your 100th tour of a radio station, which will we'll remind people was, uh, was in Princeton, New Jersey, WPRB at Princeton University. But now you've completed a ton more. I know. It's crazy. That's what happens <laughs> when she takes two weeks off of the podcast. She goes and... And, I know. And tours I know. a dozen other radio stations, and, and we've we've received we've received word from some of our friends on 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 email, including all the way from South America, saying how much they appreciate the tours and hearing about other community radio stations. So I'm really glad you continue to do it, and and we're ready today to uh, explore another station from a, a completely different part of the country than uh, than New Jersey at a much higher altitude. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, this is my 106th radio station tour, which is it's kind of terrifying and exciting at the same time. But we were taking a family trip to Colorado, and so I knew that that meant I would have to plot out some station tours. Um, in a way, it actually helps me figure out what to do when I'm going to a new place. It kind of um, gives me a roadmap. So it led to some some road trips to different places. Um, but our home base was Denver. So the very first radio station door tour that I did in Denver is the one that we're going to talk about today. And it's to metropolitan state university of Denver, which is in downtown Denver. Um, and it's a sort of a commuter campus of around 20,000 students. And they have a student run, online only station that I visited called Met Radio. That's great. And my wife actually is an, is an alum. Uh, she went to Metro State uh, for a couple of years before she transferred to uh, Reed College here in Portland. Um, I've known a lot of people because my wife is from the Denver area who've, who've gone to Metro State and all really actually had great experiences. <laughs> I have a niece who got her uh, BFA there and she has gone on to get an MFA in uh, – in film at UCLA. So uh, it's actually a really, really great school there in, in, uh, in Denver. And so I'm really excited to hear that they have a radio station because I didn't know about that. Yeah. And in fact, they have two radio stations. Um, I'm, we'll, we'll just talk about one today because I need to do a little more, a few more interviews to learn more about the second radio station. But I visited the student run station, which is part of it's uh, sort of in the student media. It's within the broader student media organization on campus. Okay. But there's also um, an online station at the school that is part of the broadcasting program. Wow. So it's more of a, um, it's more of a lab. Interesting. And, yeah, that's not student run. And, um, and I kind of learned about it 
sort of at the last minute, maybe the night before, and I mentioned it to the students at Met Radio, and they said, oh, yeah. Um, and one of them had participated in both stations. So he walked us over, and we took a look at the other station. So kind of interesting to be on a campus with two online-only stations with totally different purposes. That's great, actually. So, I mean, one of the great advantages of internet broadcasting is that, of course, you don't need a license. So really, uh, adding extra stations, the only real cost would be any music licensing you might have to cover, and of course, the streams. But, you know, those are kind of small compared to building two transmitters and and maintaining two uh, terrestrial stations. And yet, we don't hear so much about it, right? That's exactly, you know, as you mentioned, Jennifer, this is the first thing you heard of a, of a school having two online radio stations. And it makes sense because then there's double the opportunities and it can allow them to focus. Like there are definitely terrestrial stations or terrestrial station complexes often that will have additional online stations that they then may find a way to put onto like HD radio, HD two or three, but sometimes they have just online, but uh, yeah, it's great to hear that, that, that they're, that they're experimenting. I mean, this to me is like a big experiment to be able to have these two different stations. A lot of times I think about those secondary online stations as just being, um, playlists, deep Mm -hmm. playlists with no human, uh, component, but it sounds like both of these stations are, uh, people powered. No. And and even, yeah, they're both active in different ways. Um, and the, the station that's part of the broadcasting program has um, a bunch of different booths, like small little closet sized booths set up where you can do production. Um, so it is really and, like this full fledged kind of lab and editing and production. And that's the one we station. have to, that's the station that we have to put aside for now and not focus on. Yeah. So, so yeah. What, what do they do that's different at, at uh, Met? Was that Met radio? Met radio. So, so Met Radio, um, it's it's housed within their um, student media uh, kind of hub on campus. And actually, I'm going to step back a little bit and just tell you about where it is. Um, the campus itself is pretty interesting. So the Aurora campus is home to Metropolitan State University of Denver, in addition to Community College of Denver and University of Colorado Denver. So um, there are a bunch of buildings that are for different campus for different colleges on the same campus, and then they have some shared spaces. So Met Radio is in a shared space. It's a shared student center that is an old brewery building from huh. 1864. Hmm. So actually, when I was arranging the tour the person who I was connecting with said, just look for the old brick building with a smokestack. Hmm. Um, and it's this really amazing old Tivoli brewery building and it fell out of use. And in the 1980s, it became a shopping center. And then by 1994, it was transformed into a student center for these three campuses or for these three colleges that have sort of shared campus space. So the radio station is is in that really cool building and it's in a section of the building that houses the office of student media. So the radio stations in part of the student media section, but then there are also people working on newspapers and magazines. So it's a whole kind of creative student media hub, which is really cool. Um, And the station, you know, it, it occupies two rooms in that space. So they have an on-air studio and then 
an adjacent studio where you can conduct interviews or have bands play. And, you know, I was, I was there in early July. So it's the dead of summer. So it was pretty quiet. Um, right. Cause college but, radio stations tend to, uh, go a little dormant in during summer break. Not, not, yeah, not necessarily entirely. Many do. And that was certainly my experience on this trip was that Sleepier. most of the stations I visited, most of the college stations that I visited in Colorado were pretty quiet over the summer. So, you know, often there is maybe a general manager around, music director, people working on kind of projects over the summer. Um, so there weren't too many live programs over the summer, not too many people around. Um, so they were working on things, getting ready to kind of reboot for the new year. Um, so yeah, we, we sort of chatted. Um, they told me some stories. We we did some interviews. We'll probably hear some of that on the podcast as well. My I brought my daughter along with me and she conducted interviews at every tour that we went on. So it was a good way to convince her to tag along. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, we've talked about this before uh, in the past on the podcast, but I, it's a it's a topic that actually really excites me a little bit. The idea of um, the, the people the people who work at the stations um, have getting to have a, a little bit when the, during the downtime when there are a lot less students around that it gives it gives them the opportunity to have a longer uh, a longer view on projects and to to, to build something uh, when when the when when the place isn't packed. So what what were they working on? Well, some of the things, you know, they're transitioning between music directors. So I actually met with Vinnie White, who's going to become the music director in the fall. And then the current music director, Alex Gunn, was there too. So some of what... Are these students? Yeah. So some of what they talked about were um, that they were changing sort of the branding and the music orientation of the station. And part of that was by soliciting music from students. Mm. Um, so there was going to be maybe a little bit of a shift. I don't know the exact specifics on okay. that. Do you, so you don't know what kind of, what, what, what is the shift? I'm really curious to know what, what is the branding? Like what, what were they doing and what are they shifting to? Yeah. And I think it might be subtle. Um, they said that, um, the station used to play sort of older mainstream music and more recently it's been more of a mix, including indie alternative music and local material. And, and what they'd like is to be playing more music that the students like. So that's, that's as much as I got as far as, as the shift. Um, and then when they have automation running, so if you don't have a live show, they'll run automation and that um, most recently has been sort of divided by genre by hour of the day. So um, it had been classic rock from midnight to 6 a.m. unless there's a live DJ. Um, jazzy down tempo sounds from 6 to 9 a.m. Alternative indie and some pop from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Electronic music 7 to 10 p.m. at night and rap and hip hop from 10 p.m. to midnight. And again, like if you have a live DJ, that supersedes Okay. whatever genre mix they so have that, going on. That's a pretty good mix of things. And I could see yeah. that, that a lot of that will hit different groups of students uh, in different ways, you know, because certainly you will have hip hop fans, you will have electronic fans and classic rock fans. So, so that, you know, it's a pretty plausible mix there to me, and it, especially when supplemented by live DJs. Yeah. And then also there's public affairs and news programming. Um, they had a daily, uh, 
student-produced news show called The Daily Met. And so that's, I know that's quite a production uh-huh. to be doing daily news. Is that, is that a time-shiftable, a podcastable program, or are they just letting it go out live? It's live, but it's also archived on a Podbean site. Okay, good. That's a that's a podcast. Yeah, that, that yes. counts. And, <laughs> and so you mentioned they're part of student media. So are they, are they they're affiliated with the student newspaper then? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how close an affiliation, but they're all housed right next to each other. Um, and it seems like there there's got to be some overlap with that show and students who work on the newspaper. And it looks like content. If you look at some of the websites, I think there's some converged content where they're cross promoting content from the different publications and the radio station, which is really cool. Nice. So uh, did you get a sense of how, how old the station is, how long it's been around? (laughs) You know, I, I always ask this question and they're like, Oh, we don't really know. And then they left and went and asked somebody, you know, like a director in the department, and they didn't really know either. Um, <laughs> well, it, so we know it's probably <laughs> not more than 20 years old. Like, we, we can guess that with, with a fair degree of certainty. I know. Well, there was, I'm always looking for these little clues, and, and there was a clue somewhere where it said, I think it had been, oh, that it was reborn in 2008. <laughs> okay, okay, so that's been around for quite some time. For internet radio. Yeah, it's about eight years. You know, what's interesting is I remember my experience of internet radio is that um, there was a lot of initial enthusiasm in the late 90s and early 2000s where, you know, so a bunch of either colleges or community stations went on on the air. But in those early days, a lot of the music licensing and a lot of the, the legal stuff hadn't yet really been worked out. Um, and there were startups that were off like Live 365, which no longer exists, which often would offer free or nearly free streaming, right? Or you could set up – or if you're at a university, you could set up you know, the streaming for nearly right. free. And then as both the dot-com bust happened and then a lot more of the music licensing got sorted out and the, and the law became clarified that of what stations have to pay, a lot of – a lot of stations went off the internet. It got a little more complicated. It got more complicated uh, and that tampered, tampered uh, enthusiasm down. And then you saw as things sorted out and people, there was much more instruction and, and especially organizations like uh, College Broadcasters Inc. Helped, could help stations figure it out. You saw a lot more stations then start to come back online 2006, 2007, 2008. So, so this sort of fits with kind of a pattern I've observed, not just in college radio, but across sort of uh, non-commercial radio. Yeah, and especially since it, it says it was reborn in 2008, so oh. there ve- very well may have been a previous a online-only station. <laughs> right. Uh, the school itself dates back to 1965. So I'm I'm actually looking forward to talking to folks from the other station that's part of the broadcasting department. I'm I'm thinking they may have some information. Mm-hmm. So. So oh. stay t- stay tuned. I'll You're, keep asking questions. Interesting, because there. What do you know? Whether or not there was ever any other campus radio? Is that I don't one of the know. Mysteries? Yeah, I doubt it's, it. Yeah, it's mysterious. I I doubt it. I mean, given that it went since it went on, uh, since the university was founded in the sixties, um, you know, if it had a station, we'd probably know about it. Um, I mean, there's quite a 
a bit of good non-commercial radio in the Denver area. KGNU is yeah, uh, is a really uh, great community radio station based in Boulder, but now it also has an additional uh, station, AM station, in fact, in Denver, um, and a number of translators around. Um, and then there's a great public station, KUVO, which focuses on jazz um, and, and sort of Latin music. Um, and that's, I always enjoy listening to that when I'm, uh, when I'm in the Denver area, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of really great radio there, but it, it's been a dial that I think has been a little less crowded than a lot of other metro areas, although it, that's been changing over the years. I think now, um, also there's a new kind of indie rock, indie music station, uh, that, uh, Colorado Public Radio has put on, and I the name of it escapes me on top of my head. I did not do my homework. Uh, sort of like the current in Minneapolis or um, like KEXP in Seattle, that that kind of station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty packed dial. I actually did an experiment where I tried to record the whole dial in Denver, and it took quite a while. Oh, oh goody! Let's. <laughs> there's a lot of don't there's keep, a lot of radio yeah, there. Don't keep that to yourself. Oh, yeah, could you share that with us so we can we can we can maybe put it at the end of the show? Yeah, it's a little yeah. off topic, but I actually one day wanted to mention this on the podcast. I listened to um I listened to a podcast out of uh, WFMU uh, that I'll figure out the name in a second. And uh, the host of that podcast is one of WFMU's. Um, station personnel and she did an entire podcast of um of that was one street music because she traveled to spain in an official musical capacity for wfmu and then after a bit of street music uh some some flamenco the whole rest of her podcast that week was a band scan Hmm. of spanish radio just the whole thing you know, her that's driving great. in the car i should have done that when i was like in sweden and uh, estonia last year yeah and i listened to it and i listened yeah. I, I listened to it in it and it surprised me that i was uh entertained amused and soothed just by like listening to to snippets of mostly pop radio that's fantastic you know that's fantastic you know so jennifer you do have to send it to us and we will put it at the end yeah. of the show well, I, that okay, is happening I have to- I, I was trying to remember when I did the band scan. So um, well, my caveat is that we were driving, we were on our way to Estes Park. So it was beautiful place. Um, not necessarily in Denver, but you know, leaving Denver. Right. Yeah. So going, if, going. If sort that's of still north. of interest, we can share that. It is. <laughs> and and and, you, and the thing is, is that the file will be time will be time stamped if you did it on your phone. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll know what it is. So the podcast I was just referencing is Liz Berg's podcast yes. on WFMU, which um, is called – maybe that's it. Liz, I think it's just Liz called Liz Berg, Berg on show. WFMU. Yeah. And so we'll we'll put a link to, to that band scan in the show notes. Because Liz is a music director or program director yeah. at WFMU, Staff. I believe. And, yeah, and her podcast usually consists entirely of Free Music Archive, uh, Creative Commons, licensed music, which makes uh, makes it a unique – uh, uh, fully DJed uh, musical podcast because Liz is a bright, bright. Usually, person. usually because of music licensing, you would not be able to 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 archive permanently your music show because all of the licenses get uh, complicated, rather complicated. That ding was uh, <laughs> Jennifer sending me her file. <laughs> nice, good, right Unfortunately, away. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, I don't. I behind the scenes, I Pulling... turned off notifications on one computer and didn't <laughs> on the other, but that's fine. <laughs> 
pull, didn't even hear it. Pulling back the curtain of, of uh, podcast production. So well, I guess you know, we only heard multi, it. You got to send each other files. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. That That is fine. But no, I think that's really fantastic. And and so, it, you know, since we're sort of taking tangents anyway, I, I, it now occurs to me like, boy, like I, I will ask our friend in Brazil who we'll talk a little bit about yeah. now, uh, Alvaro, uh, send us a band scan and anyone. Oh, I mean, gosh. and we, I we'll don't think, them. yeah, I don't, we don't care where you are. If you, if you share band scan, it could be a limited band scan if you want to do like just the left end of the dial. But if you want to do a full band scan of wherever you are, because it's such an interesting way to kind of experience yeah. radio. And sometimes, you know, things sound really similar from city to city. But a lot of times, actually, they differ in ways that you don't expect. Um, you know, so I think uh, that is something I'll have to make a note of when I travel. I'm going to I'm going to yeah. I'm going to make sure we to might, do that. We might need to. So uh, you started a new feature here. Yeah, there might need to be more Jennifer. of like a, a centralized band scan location on the Radio Survivor. And so Jennifer, well, you- it, it, it was helpful because I was on a family road trip and not driving all the time. So <laughs> yeah. I could control the dial and record the That's dial. right. So, so folks, if you're in a car doing it, please do it when someone else is driving. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's not, let's not have some distracted band scanning driving or, or here. park, I guess. Um, so Jennifer, you did an interview. Uh, you shared the audio with us. What, what will we hear in this interview? Oh, so we talked to, um, the two folks that I mentioned, Vinnie white, who is going to be the music director at Met radio. And we talked to his colleague, Alex, um, Alex Gunn, who is the current music director, and I just talked to them a little bit about how they got involved with the station, um, because I'm always curious about how people come to find their college radio stations, and and that produced some interesting stories, I thought. Uh, So my name is Vinny. I go by the name of DJ Vinny the Pooh while on Met Radio Denver. And I am Alex, and I don't really have any DJ name that I go by, (laughs) just Alex. And can you guys, Alex, you had a great story about how you found out about the station. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me that again? Yeah. So I was sitting out in the hallway near the station between classes one day, and a gentleman who had a show at the time pulled me in and was like, you're going to sit in and watch my show for today. And I was like, okay. And the next day I was sitting out there at the same time, and he pulled me in again and said, this time you are going to run the board. And then he hopped over to the other side, and I was stuck on the board figuring it out and just learning it right there on the spot. And then how soon after that did you have a show? Uh, it was the semester following that that I had a show. That's amazing. And, and Vinny, how did you find out about the station? Uh, well, um, I just kind of did some research at, um, I won't, long story, super, super short, got out of the military, came to Denver to go to college, and I was, it was a pick between three or four schools, and since this state, uh, this school had a radio station uh, and having experience in radio, I was like, well, I got to go there. Uh, and I just I came here in March. I started working here that that June and been here ever since. So that was 2014. Um, I just kind of sniffed it out. I knew I wanted to kind of get back into the radio thing and kind of sought it out. And where were you? What was your radio past? Uh, so I did six years of commercial radio in Seattle. Uh, I was uh, an on-air DJ. I was a mixer. That means I was on the, the turntables, the ones and twos. Uh, and then I was also a morning show co-host uh, at Cube 93 in Seattle. Um, so I did that from 2003 to 2009 and loved it. It was it kind of taught me a lot about a lot, and I knew I wanted to get back into it, so that's why I, 
after the military, I chose Met Radio. That's cool. Um, okay, I want to find out, do you guys have sort of a favorite story about the station, something interesting that happened or fun or weird? Um, yeah. I mean, so kind of almost being here three years, I mean, there's tons of stuff. Um, but I think one of the most challenging, fun dreadful thing, all in once, all kind of encompassing things, was a world record attempt that we did mm-hmm. here uh, last year. Uh, we try, we broke the um, record for longest webcast, um, which was 56 hours, and we raised over $1,500 for the food bank here on campus, but the setting it up, it, it was the worst thing ever. It was great. Loved it. The follow through was. It was just so much work. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, we had so many people helping us. Um, it was like the only time I've seen this radio station come together um, just for one solid thing. You know, the whole office came together for this one solid thing. But I would say that that is like one of the only things that I've had so much fun with, and also be the biggest headache ever. For the greatest cause ever. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely, especially uh, by the end of it. We were all pretty pretty worn down, and <laughs> I don't know. How, how long did you make it awake throughout that? Uh, I think it was like 60. I personally was awake about 62 hours, you know, because yeah. I, w- I woke up that morning, and then we started that night, and then went 56 hours from that night, and yeah, it was crazy. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So I was wondering if you guys have a favorite show at the station. You know, I think my favorite show would be a tie either between Deep Frequencies, which is an electronic uh, like house and techno music show, and uh, the news show that went on last semester, The uh, Daily Met, which was a lot of fun, just kind of bantering back and forth early morning news. Uh, my, I think the, the, my two favorite shows here was I did a morning show a couple semesters ago called The Rabbit Hole in the Morning Show. I uh, had a lot of fun with that. Got in trouble a little bit, but that's okay. I guess that's what morning radio is supposed to do from time to time. Um, and then there was an, another show. Um, I can't remember the name of it off top, but the show was old school European death metal music. And that was his sole show, and I loved it because I it sh- remember that it showed show. the um, it showed kind of like the the depth of college radio and what you can really get away with in college radio. So I was like, that is so cool. That's why I loved it so much. That's cool. Thank you. I almost dropped the phone. That's okay. Good hand. Live shows, which is a sports show and a, uh, a hip hop. A music show. Um, other it, people wanted to do shows yeah, they could, but absolutely. most people are like, I'm taking the summer off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, however, in the fall and spring, I mean, we can have upwards to four or five live shows a day, um, you know, more on certain days. Um, as we kind of move forward, I know one of the things that we want to do as a radio station is... Um, kind of get more unique content out there. You know, we don't necessarily need another sports show. We don't necessarily need another play new music and talk about it. We, I mean, we'll we'll take it if it's done in a different way, 
But, I mean, we're looking for, like, the just out there shows just because mm-hmm. we kind of want to encompass everything. I mean, it's my opinion that college radio is really anything you want it to be. You yeah. Know? We had a, a show in here where someone, they um, they just talked about movies. And I was like... Oh, movie hash with movie Nick. Movie hash, that's right. And I was like... I used to sit in on that a few times. Yeah, I was he'd, like... He'd call me in to be like, hey, we're talking about this movie that you like. You want to be in on the show exactly. tonight? Um, a show that was started by our old general manager and taken over by Alex here was called The History of Rock and Roll, um, which sparked... It actually jumped off from a, sh- uh, a class. Class, that, yeah. And they would literally kind of mirror what they learned in class and then just bring it to the air. Oh, wow. Um, so, mm-hmm. let's say in class, two days a week, you are in 1950s jazz and early rock and roll, and that's what you're playing and talking about on the air. And I was like, beautiful. That's absolutely yeah. neat. Um, I still have the book from that. And yeah, exactly. Grace gave me her book after she was done with that class, and I took it over and... No, that's and that's and that. I hit the end of the book before the end of the second semester doing the show. So then I was like, "All right, now I'm going to focus on bands that have had like a specific like impact on my life Mm -hmm. and talk about their history." So I would dedicate like two shows just to Pink Floyd, or like whatever. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, So we're looking for more shows like that, and obviously keeping a a strong hold and kind of what makes this radio station unique and it's mm-hmm. you know the live DJs you know I'm a DJ myself well, we've mentioned Dana we'll actually wheel turntables in here and do a live mix show um, people around here love sports love talking yeah. different sports which is great um, so just kind of like being able to, to get more of the other stuff without losing kind of who we are as a as a, as a station so that was Vinnie White and Alex Gunn from Met Radio. And that's at Metropolitan State University of Denver, Colorado. Correct. Yes. And so that's a student-run station. As far as you know, it's principally students then who are involved in the station. Is that correct? Yes. Um, well, and I think, I think they told me there always has to be a student um, because I was curious since they're on a campus with two other colleges if people from other colleges are ever – wandering in, wanting to participate. And it sounds like you can have guests maybe from other places, but the person leading the show needs to be a student. A student at Metro State. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Although it's, since it's a, a kind of a commuter campus, it probably has a, a, a somewhat um, more diverse in terms of age group, probably uh, kind of student population than maybe uh, a lot of other sort of uh, residential uh, for your schools. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and in fact, Vinny, who, um, Vinny White, who I talked to, he had already worked in commercial radio previously, uh, which he talks a little bit about in his interview. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he had been in the military, so he's older than the traditional college student age. So people can look at your pictures and learn more about Met Radio at uh, Metropolitan State College in Denver, Colorado. At radiosurvivor.com, just click on College Radio up at the top, and it'll take you right to it. We'll also have it in our show notes, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. And uh, since we're talking about our podcast here, I mean, you can always find the show notes there. And we'd love it if you would rate us at iTunes or at Stitcher or any other platform where you're listening to us. Um, Yeah. 
If you use the podcast app on your uh, on your iDevice or you use iTunes to listen to podcasts, it'd be great if you subscribe to us there too. Um, that just helps more people find us. Or if you use Stitcher, su- subscribe to us there. Again, that just lets it, it sort of bumps us up in the algorithm and and makes it more likely people might find us. Or just just tell a friend, tell a friend, uh, tell a fellow radio nerd about the show. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And as well, if you can help us out at all uh, with financing our operations here, we'd really appreciate it. Go to RaiderSurvivor.com slash support to learn how to do that. Every single penny, every single dollar does add up, and we really, really appreciate it. Um, well, next I wanted to uh, mention, you know, we've we've had some correspondence with a community radio broadcaster in in Brazil. Yeah, our cup runneth over. Every every week we get another uh we get one new message from somebody fascinating. Indeed. I'm very happy and and Alvaro has been uh one of the most fascinating. Yeah, so we haven't heard from him in a little while. His name is Alvaro Burns, uh, and he, he broadcasts in in uh, the city of, of Sao Bernardo. Let me do that again. He broadcasts in the city of Sao Bernardo, which is kind of in the Sao Paulo region of – and Sao Paulo being the capital of, of Brazil. And uh, he said he hasn't really been in touch recently because community radio stations there have been spending some time trying to change the law. So as he explained to us uh, via email is that uh, in, in his area, they actually have five community radio stations, but they all share one frequency, 87.5 FM. And so he says like there are parts of the city where you can't hear any station and parts of the city where they interfere. Oh, <laughs> wow. And, and, and they all only broadcast with 25 watts of power. Hmm. So, so to put that in perspective, low power FM in the United States, you broadcast with a hundred watts of power. Oh wow! So it's a quarter. So if you think of you know low power FM here in the states, you know which is expected, which is intended to be mostly kind of a community radio service, you usually get a couple mile radius, right? So in really dense urban areas, it it it, it you you can often get a fair amount of listeners in in sort of more rural areas. It's harder, although as we heard about on a few episodes ago, Eric visited a station in in Fossil, yeah. Oregon, which is a very tiny town of a few hundred people. And they had a they since they had their antenna up on a hill, I think they had a nice fifteen mile radius uh, all around. Exactly, and and probably not much chance of interfering with another station. So yeah. they probably were able to maximize whatever the FCC will allow them. A radio desert to use. out there yeah. in eastern Oregon. So uh and so it's uh, neighborhood by neighborhood it basically sounds like it sounds like, yeah. And he says so they they'd like to, you know, obviously they'd like to change that. Like to have more power, they'd like to to expand uh the amount of space allocated to uh community radio. Please says, send us a band scan and, from Brazil. Yeah, I know. And this should sound familiar actually to broadcasters here in the US. He also says that uh they're they're facing challenges because they need to pay royalties for the music they play. Mm. Um, and he says it's smaller. They pay less than commercial radio, but that as um, nonprofit organizations, they mostly can't earn any money. So they really don't have a lot of money to pay these royalties. Uh, so they'd like to reduce how much they pay or, um, or pay nothing. And he, his sense is that uh, the politicians in Congress there in, in Brazil, uh, that they mostly support big media, mm. You know, and of course, probably are supported by big media, and who has the most influence, and they feel like they don't have very much influence. And and folks who've been watching the news will know that in Brazil, uh, the president of the country recently was forced to step down, and um, the president who has stepped in to take her place, uh, many people feel is is. Uh, 
being more oppressive in his outlook. There's, um, it's, it's there's a whole lot liberties. of there's a whole lot of um, uh, low grade simmering political turmoil in Brazil. Yeah, uh, both surrounding presidential politics and then in the lead up to the Olympics, I'm sure has also been. Um, yeah, that, that, that will be in Rio de Janeiro. There's some intensity. There's some intensity. So it's a time when community radio is probably really needed. Uh, and you, I'm sorry, and I, I talked over you. You were saying that that uh, Alvaro was telling us that there's um, there some of the some of the pressure is coming down on community radio. He, I don't think he said that necessarily. I don't think he said that in it in, in so many words. Even no. Okay. Um, however. I'll come in. He said, because of all this political turmoil, uh, he's been very busy producing stuff for his station, right? So they, they're really wanting to do this kind of coverage that community radio does, which is grassroots, uh, close to the people who listen um, and tends not to be very easily controlled by either uh, strong political or uh, monetary interests. So uh, thanks again uh, for uh, dropping us a line, Alvaro, and we'll put a link to his podcast, Yeah, uh, which we shared before. We'll put a link to that podcast in our show notes at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. Now, I've, I've never been to Brazil. Have, have you, either of you? No. Nope. That's, that's, that's a, that's a good uh, station tour fantasy. fantasy I camp. know. Uh, I, It'd be I want great to, say, to visit stations all over the world. I would love that. Yeah, and, and at this point, since Alvaro uh, just uh, took it upon himself to send us an email and tell us that he was listening to the podcast and then tell us about uh, where he was coming from, what his community radio experience was, uh, that is exactly what we have what we want. And it, it, I, I'm assuming every single listener of ours has a community radio history and a story either something they remember or something they know that is currently happening. And we love, we love hearing from you. So you can send us an email at uh, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Absolutely. And, and so Eric, you were uh, mentioning to us before when the show started uh, that it's sort of a, a discovery. Yeah. Well, um, so I, I'm a, I'm a news consumer. I enjoy it. And uh, I'm, the um, the that's we are the the day that we're recording is going to be uh, tonight is the last evening of the Republican National Convention, and as near as I, I I'm listening to the five thirty eight podcast, which uh, during the convent they have a weekly show that that covers politics, and they've of course been intensely focused on presidential politics. I think it launched this year for that purpose. Uh, they're at, they are. At the convention, reporting uh, members of this uh, news organization, online news organization, and podcasting daily. And because I subscribe to their podcast and listen to it as every time they put it out, I just uh, one of the hosts was saying uh, on the podcast yesterday that they are uh, located in Radio Row, which is filled with podcasters. Hmm. And uh, I don't have my facts in I'd order. I'd love to know what other podcasts are there now, yeah, right? But uh, to my mind, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's very likely that this is the first presidential election where Radio Row is radio slash podcast row. I don't believe that. I mean, maybe in 2012 there was something. Yeah. Squeaky, but I, you know, I know that the Slate Political Gab Vest, which is a, a, um, a very popular political show that I began listening to as, a, as an audience member in 2008 during the, the Democratic primary. That was a very uh, – the, the Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton – 
2008 primary season was uh, a very exciting time for for news and presidential politics, and that's when the Slate Political Gab Fest became a habit for me. Uh, but I don't know if they were on the scene reporting the way that podcasts are now. It's really a, a legitimization, right, of the news gathering that they do. Yeah, um, that's fascinating because it, it seems to me I remember maybe going back – it might have been around 2008. It might have been even as early as 2004 – uh, was a time at which it seemed as though there was there were more bloggers, right? Right. Yeah. So there was the idea the that, that, the that in addition to folks who were on the election beat for the New York Times, local papers, etc., that then there were it was a sudden legitimation, you know, that uh, a blogger, someone who was did not have a byline in print, could get a pass, a press pass to go to the conventions, and that was considered to be a new thing. I think in 2004, probably less so in 2008, because we now just take it for granted. We now take it for granted that uh, something from 538 or or somebody from Slate, uh, online publications with no print parallel, right. uh, would of course have press passes, sure. you know, and would of course be uh, able to report from these places. Um, and now it's interesting to think that uh, in, in in podcasting, maybe we would have thought would ride the coattails of that. Like maybe they'd be podcasters too, instead of the idea that no. Uh, the podcast is its own product. Yeah, it's, well, not, it's not a supplement. It's not a not a, not not. It, yeah. it is yet another channel. It sounds like well, it, from what I listened to, because I've listened to Five Thirty Eight, they're they're definitely on the ground uh, doing their written reports. They're primarily the the website, and then the the podcast is very popular as a political podcast. But I know from listening to it, uh, one of the things they've been doing is cross. They've been all uh, jumping on each other's programs, and so that's how I found out. Because they actually, in their feed, posted uh, one of their uh, one of their primary hosts' guest spot on another program on An- another political podcast. It's not I- a pro- political podcast from Five Thirty Eight or no? No, it's from another yes. organization. They, what, they've, you been, know? they've been jumping around. That's it, and they put it in their own feed. And they put it in their own feed, and it was with a host that sounded like a real radio professional. But this was a podcast. This was a different political podcast, and they mentioned also the NPR political podcasts, right. which are a sort of a, um, a hybrid, right? Because we clearly have public radio, professional public radio journalists, but they are certainly uh, podcasting, not just Yeah, and often podcasting, the, the podcast is a little less scripted. You know, yes. I mean, they don't, they don't, I don't think they go as, I don't think they are, speak as extemporaneously as, as they would in something like the Slate Political Gab Fest, but right, they tend to be less scripted, tend to be a bit more, imp- you know, they'll give their impressions, if, if not their outright opinions. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating that, they, that they're swapping feeds, and just for, for folks, you know, to think about it, if you subscribe to a podcast in any given app, right, that means the podcast, each new episode gets downloaded automatically to your phone and to whatever app you might be using online, and you know, we have that, we have a feed and we play shows into it. And it's interesting that someone would place a show that's not from their own network. They're trying to expose, yeah. right? Because it, it's basically would be sort of like uh, NBC doing a crossover and putting a CBS show on, like yeah, <laughs> one night or something like that. Well, uh, speaking of which, one of the most interesting one that I heard was a the audio the, the audio uh, uh, archive, the, uh, the, 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 um, the air check of a Facebook live stream hmm. between one of the hosts of the Slate Political Gab Fest, who, uh, as of this year, uh, became the permanent uh, host of CBS's Face the Nation. Mm-hmm. So here John we have Dickerson. John Dickerson talking with uh, Nate 
Nate Silver, the 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 editor and one of the hosts of the Five Thirty Eight podcast. So they're so taking. It's, wow. it's interesting. They're really kind of playing. Not really and playing with the show. medium. It's it, what's interesting to me is that they're clearly like throwing off the conventions of broadcast, right? And and that not that people won't experiment, but for the most part, when folks try to do news, and I think even in like college or community radio, you tend to hew to format, right? It tends to be uh, we have we have an hour, we have a half hour. We it's a magazine, maybe we have different stories, we report, we have we you know we might have in studio guests, but it tends to be very formatted. Um, and then maybe you have like political commentary shows; they might be a little less formatted. But again, there tends to be a lot of structure to it. And it sounds to me what they're doing is they're saying, "Hey, just roll with us." You know, so here's our regular show, and it maybe has a format. But then here's a show we were on on another network yeah. or another and show. They do their own thing. Here you can listen to it. And then here is just this other audio that instead of trying to like, it sounds like instead of trying to. Uh, kind of put it into the show. They're just like, hey, no, it can stand on its own. Yeah, and that that conversation was um incredible because it was uh John Dickerson and and Nate Silver who are two um uh, really important white guys. I mean, I'm I'm saying that to sort of like uh, admit that they're, they're it's a very um they they they're, share a, a, a they're, they're a shared demographic. They've become so, kind of establishment. Yes, they're very establishment guys who also think uh in in ways that are vastly different from from other people who might uh, might have had their jobs. Yeah, they, they've years really ago. broken. Yeah, they've really broken and, away from like mainstream and they uh, were, political. Commentary. They were both discussing uh, just how difficult it is to wrap their intellects around this political moment <laughs> and how uh, how all the rules could could be changing around them and and what is their job then as reporters or commentators when. Um, when the ground is shifting so fast underneath <laughs> and when politics. Candid- and when one candidate kind of just lies yeah. all of the time. Well, and then, <laughs> and then uh, which is also an established fact, the, um, the uh, fans of that candidate uh, don't mind. Yeah, They're right. aware that the lies are happening and as long as it's not uh, – they don't take the lie seriously. Like, yes, we know that that's a false promise, but – so that that was what that conversation was. The other show that I listened to uh, just the other day was uh, Harry Enten – of um oh and nate silver of 538 on tom ashbrook's podcast on point right which is uh which is an npr production okay yeah on I point believe. radio it's not an npr it's a it's an npr station um so i don't know whether it's officially national public radio but it is some public radio syndicator yeah, radio row is now podcast row wow but and, and i really appreciate you telling me about the 538 feed because it's like they're taking chances and they're taking chances that seem utterly logical yeah. that like if you weren't already uh sort of you know, strictly hewn to to broadcasting, and in some ways, which I think I am, uh, you would be like, well, why not? Why couldn't we do that? In the same way with a blog, you might have short form, long form. You might do, you might have something which is really a photo. You might be just, hey, listen, you know, here here's some some other guest post, right? Why wouldn't you do that with a podcast feed? So you, yeah. the thing that you've sort of pointing out to me is is the way you could experiment, and it doesn't. You know, we make this sort of package show, even if it varies in length, but it's it, we we have the same format all the time, and they're varying format. The question I'd love to know, I'd love to know how and if the audience 
varies yeah. with all these different things. You should call him up and ask him. And so who works in podcasting, you know, it's certainly something we, we you think about is that you 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 don't want to accidentally alienate fans and listeners because if they get like a couple of shows in their feed that they're not expecting or or, or that really seem to to vary too much, they might not come back and you wouldn't want to do that. At the same time, right? You might you want to have this cross pollination and cross promotion. It's good for everybody to kind of expose people to new voices or different shows uh, and to sort of grow the the whole ecosystem. And you also sometimes right just you, you want to take a chance. And and it's always yeah. I think it's always a question. And there's no right answer. One of the other uh, uh, things that I'm fascinated by I actually haven't given it a shot as a listener, uh, but it was exciting to me uh, that the five thirty eight folks. Uh, a, a hired Farai Chidea, who was for me a familiar name in uh, public radio. I, I just looking at her Wikipedia page, and she was uh, actually one of the reasons I might know her name is she was a local host in San Francisco oh, to a okay. show that I probably listened to uh, way back in the day. Uh, but now she's also known as the NPR host for News and Notes, and now uh, uh, she is uh, working with Five Thirty Eight, producing um, audio documentaries about politics. That's something I think they're calling kitchen table. So they'll talk about um, uh, Americans' experience in, in general with childcare and how that's a political issue or Americans' experience with healthcare costs wow. and how that's a political issue. So I they're really, to the, to, and that's also in that same feed. Wow. I really need to check this out. Yeah, so I don't I'm, know. I'm a big fan. Jennifer, have you heard 538 at all? No, but I was just scanning through and reading about it and it looks really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, and and maybe there may be folks who who aren't familiar with five thirty eight, and well, five thirty eight is 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 this guy Nate short, Silver. Short, short version, yeah, Nate Silver um, was uh, just a guy that had a blog uh, and liked math at the New York Times. Well, no, no, before oh, that, okay, okay, before that, he was a guy with a blog and a math lover and a saber metrics. Uh, uh, connoisseur, right? Which is the kind of uh, math nerd that loves uh, baseball statistics, made famous by the Moneyball uh, book. But uh, Nate Silver uh, decided to, uh, as a hobby, as a passion project, uh, become an expert in political polling, and as as a blogging young person, uh, correctly predicted the outcome of the two thousand eight primaries and presidential elections uh in a way that blew everyone's minds and it's basically uh as and i was sort of a fan of his i saw i first uh would see him on um msnbc talk shows being interviewed that might have been that might have been the first time although i also was um working at a radio station and swimming in the daily news cycle so i think i had been uh, aware that 538 was definitely a, a website worth reading if you wanted to know what was happening in politics uh, someone who was working with facts not opinions although also uh someone who's perfectly ready to offer their opinions so nate silver uh became uh nationally prominent in 2008 just as a smart blogger and uh was uh, briefly but notably uh, hired by the New York Times, his blog sort of uh, all of a sudden became a 538 under the New York Times banner. And then uh, after a distinct number of years, when that, when, when that, when that run was up, he uh, surprisingly, because it seems like some yeah, at, at a certain point, the New York Times is the destination for people like Nate Silver, like he's reached his goal. Uh, no, he left the New York Times and uh, started his own news organization of the 538 and hired lots of people 
and got into podcasting. It isn't my understanding, though, that when he when he uh, started 538, the, the focus was going to be more on sports. Well, 538 is okay. named because, I mean, they still report on sports on his blog, but 538 is named because that's the number of um, uh, electoral college votes oh, you need to win. So okay. it, was a, it was focused on the 2008 primary, that hot and fascinating moment in U.S. political history when uh, – when I became a fan of so many things, I'm still a fan of. It was such, you know, when people did good reporting in those in those months of that Barack Obama Hillary Clinton race, um, you know, they made fans for life. Because I've talked about that in the past. That one of my favorite political podcasts that I'll listen to every week is the Slate Political Gab Fest, which was uh, something I became intimately familiar with in those days. Really interesting. Appreciate you sharing that with me. Interestingly enough, I have to mo- mention, I'm trying to find their podcast on my on the app I'm using, which is Overcast, and I cannot. It, spell the words 538. I did. Oh, they're not on Overcast. Or Maybe. or it's just a it's just a data problem. Or it's just anecdotally. Anecdotally, five th- is it thirty dash eight or five thirty eight five thirty and space eight? Because this think, is I kind of important. Yeah. Um. Let's see. It is five thirty eight. All one word. I, I put that in there. I thought that that is really yeah. All right. Let me try this again. So that here's the problem with with that uh is with that sort of name is that it's hard to find. There we go. 538 elections. There we are. Yeah. So it is all one word, 530. I'm going to subscribe and they, now. They I'm also do sports. Um, wait. If I'm not mistaken, my, my media nerd senses are tingling. I do believe that they are uh, affiliated with the ESPN ABC uh, corporation. Okay. That, yeah, they, that, 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 that they're under that umbrella. Uh, okay. So they have a little bit of um, bleed through with the media uh, and a little bit of money at ESPN. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's part of they're part of that. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, someone should check me on that before they run to the bank with that information. All right, well, cool. Thanks for sharing that, Eric. But that's why they love sports. Says they'll do they'll do sports all day long. Uh, but I'm I'm not subscribing to that I'm channel. Not, I'm not much of a sports fan. I have to admit. Um, I did actually want to mention it's a sort of a little bit of uh, self promotion here. Uh, ah, but it's it's important self promotion. I, I would uh, this week or this week's edition of the Wolf Den, which is the podcast about the business of podcasting. I'm the I serve as producer for that show. It's on the Earwolf Network. I I consider it a sister podcast a radio survivor yeah it it digs in a little different side than what we cover and and we often have access to some of the some of the big players in the podcast world because uh well the host uh, who who stepped down uh, most recently was uh adam Sachs. he was the ceo of the company of midroll media which owns earwolf stepping into his place um are the executive vice president of sales development lex friedman who himself is a podcaster and chris bannon who is our uh head of content previously worked at WNYC. Um, and so they've stepped into host and this is their first episode, but they talk with Eric Newsom, who is the senior vice president uh, for original content at audible. And he's responsible for audible's new podcasting lineup. I don't really know how to put it called channels. Ah, they and a name. It's got a name. It debuted about two weeks ago. All I knew is that they weren't going to call it podcasting. Yes, which, oh, yeah. which is an to old topic. It. An old topic on Radio Survivor is what do you call it? Like, didn't we? You know, on demand audio. We yeah, radio. Word. Yeah. Remember Jennifer? What's you were reporting about Apple? Uh, going back and oh, forth about yeah. uh, oh that's right. Like, and then they decided it's called radio. <laughs> right. So, so um. 
Why are you excited about this particular episode of of the Wolf Den podcast? Well, because, you know, well, Eric has a lot of experience, first of all. Right. So he was at NPR. Mm. So he was head of of national programming. And basically he was in charge of all shows that weren't explicitly news that that were at NPR. Uh, So like Invisibilia was a show that he helped to birth Mm. and which has been at the top of the podcast chart since it came out. It's a show which is podcast first in a lot of ways, but is also broadcast on station. But it was really conceived of as it would be both from the very beginning. So he's he's a big thinker and he's got a lot of experience. Right. Oh, yeah. I didn't. He left NPR and and about a year ago. Yeah. Made a made a huge uh, there was a there was a there was an article. That was uh, well, yeah. So he makes speeches how I know his name. And, and we're you know talking about the but, future yes. of, of of radio and podcasting. So now he's at Audible and he's developing this new this new uh, product, right? So Audible people, if people are aware of it, is an audiobook service owned by Amazon. Yeah, so you subscribe to it to get audiobooks. It's it's the it's pretty much audio uh, giant. Yeah, on the planet <laughs> well with, well with regard to audiobooks yes. yeah yeah with regard to audiobooks and so he was hired to kind of develop a new area in which they would create new original spoken word audio that wasn't audiobooks essentially mm-hmm. so shorter form because audiobooks can often be 12 14 18 16 you know hours on and on it's people reading something and, yeah exactly so he was he's focusing on uh creating stuff that's you know 10 20 30 uh, an hour He's uh, making podcasts. So he's making podcasts. But <laughs> they, they might not want to say it in the halls of Audible. But uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what's interesting to hear him talk about in, the, in this, so and, and people should listen to it, is one, kind of what they're trying to do and mm. why they're trying to do it. I thought it was really fascinating because I think, you know, being that he's coming from a public radio background and now working at, at Amazon and, and, and a, and a sort of dot-com sort of environment, how, the changes there, and, and, and how they're – and in, 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 in how they're listening to their audience and paying attention to what their audience is doing because they know this because it's an app where they can where they can yeah. track it all. So what they're tracking, how they're tracking, and how it's leading them to make decisions, especially in terms of some programming that you might not expect them to make. Wow. So okay, I just my I just realized I needed to talk to you about this before. I'm about to just splash you with questions that are that are uh, either you don't know the answer to or I should should have asked beforehand. Um, you can only hear these podcasts. These shows, if you are a subscriber, yes, it's premium content. So, so it's premium content. Either if you, so, if you already subscribe to Audible, yeah, which there's a you know which costs something in the order of like ten to fifteen bucks a month. It's like it's Netflix for books, right? Yeah, exactly. No. Although <laughs> it, it predates it. Netflix, yeah. right? It's been around longer. <laughs> and they've been uh, Netflix was move is 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 Audible for movies. Yeah, coincidentally, I know what Audible is because they were like the lone massive. Uh, 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 Sponsor. Oh yeah, they of still are my favorite podcasts from a decade ago. Yeah, they, they, they've been a podcast sponsor for a very long yeah, time. But back before anybody else was mentioned, corporate exactly as corporate branding on podcasts. They, they realized that if you like podcasts, you yeah, might like audio. They were books. there from They're the pretty smart. Um, okay, so you can only hear them if you are a subscriber. Yeah, and then channels is available as its own subscription for less money. So if you're not interested in the oh. audiobooks, you can subscribe to channels. I, it's something like four ninety nine a month. How long has this wrong. product been around? It's been around like well, it's been in beta for a while, which I think means that it was available to Audible subscribers. I think it's been available uh, as its own kind of standalone for, since like uh, July seventh or so. So just a few weeks. Super brand new. So super brand new. What and one of the other product? One of the things they have is every night they have people read. Stories from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, 
uh, and lots of other publications so that in the morning you can have these fresh news stories read to you um, every day. And that's part of their part of their offering. Apparently, the Wall Street Journal is is amongst their their their, their top most popular human, content. Human actors. Right? Well, he talks about it. So it's really interesting. So I, again, yeah, he talks I know about the was, challenge of having people read the news. This has been around for a while that the uh, that that the simulated HAL computer voice would read you the well, so these are humans the news and these those, are humans yeah, those were no fun news, at all and he does talk about the challenge of of this because it's different than having someone read an audiobook yeah right so uh, there's a lot really of interesting insights people, who's very open and, and <laughs> this very, is what I do is very willing to read, share read the news out loud so if you you know so if you're interested at all in podcasting or I think even if you're interested in, in a lot in developing programs for any sort of radio any sort of audio it's really worth listening to he's very open and he, he shared quite a bit um, and a lot of insights there that I was able to take away as a podcaster here we are surviving of course for the work I do at Midroll uh, what excites me the most is uh, somebody who who loves radio and loves new radio to think that uh that that a that a corporation like like Amazon with resources um resources so so many resources that they have a space program more or less in my mind uh is getting into radio and creating n- new visionary things uh I'm looking forward to next year it's an it's I'm excited a crazy exciting I, time I think there should be more fiction I think there should be oh anyway I, I shouldn't just pitch all my ideas here, <laughs> but I'm I'm so excited that there's more that there's more professional radio out there. Wouldn't it, it be great if they could uh, throw some money to college stations and to help sort of seed the creation of interesting uh, programs that could be on the air at college stations, but also be available in channels or something like that? We right? have, yeah. gosh, they should. Yeah, consultants. We are college we are now, radio I just gave that one away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Right. I mean, because, you know, so we just sort of heard about 538s and it sounds like they're being kind of open minded, if not experimental with how they treat their shows and their feed. Not not in like some like avant garde sort of way, but just really in not in not being too bounded by by the uh, conventions of traditional broadcast, which I feel like often I feel I'm still Mm. bounded by because of of my background. And, And then we're hearing about, you know, sort of how how. Amazon, through its its Audible product, is is taking is trying to do some new things with audio that way, right? But that's in a podcast basically kind of style, and it, it just makes me think, wow. So you know, always, especially I think with online stations, which you probably have even more flexibility, freedom. There's all these opportunities for college stations in particular, right? Because I think uh, they often do have that freedom to experiment and to take chances uh, that even in community stations is sometimes tough to pull off. You need more people to consent or the time on air is so valuable or so yeah, many people the stakes who want are it. higher. The stakes you're afraid are higher. you'll upset somebody if you don't do something nice. Like I just, it's a call to action. I want to send out to, to students to say, you know, to experiment and not just experiment. Cause often I think experimentation itself can be cliche. Like how many times can you play like four records at a time? And I've done this, right? So I'm guilty of all of these things I'm going to say. You can you know, do it every day, Paul. That's right. But <laughs> Usually between the hours of uh, midnight and 2 a.m. That's right. And and that's great. But I think there's also some playing with the form on its edges or thinking of new things that could be done in audio that haven't been done. And that maybe like college stations and, and, and as you can turn into podcasts. Because these days it's kind of easy to find a free host to, to for your podcast now or – and um, 
you can find a way to, to get it online and do it on air at the same time. And there, and there are services like Mixcloud, which will basically – they don't do downloads. But basically if you just want a web host for your program, they will host endless aud- hours of audio for you for free. Mm. Uh, and and uh, college state, a lot of college stations take advantage of it because it, it, cause you can also put music. Because they'll pay the royalties for you. God knows ah. how they pay for it. I don't know. But, you know, as long as it exists, you could take advantage of it as long as you're willing to accept that it might go away someday. But there's all these chances here to really play with the form and there's some inspiration there. And, you know, to really kind of see, you know, you know, could can we do news or journalism in a way that isn't just the strict kind of magazine format or yeah. just a strict – uh, you know, a couple people talking to each other in the studio, or could we just kind of see who we can dial up on Skype while, while we're in the studio? There's all these different ways to do it. Maybe in the freeform traditions, you know, that that come to us from the '60s and '70s, uh, like uh, they used to do um, at WBAI overnight radio, nameable, where you know you could take calls of people reporting from the street, play some music, and get very free, but also sort of bounded, and it might fit into an hour. Right or might fit into half an hour, so it could also very easily become a podcast. I don't know. Uh, maybe you've heard of these things. Maybe maybe you know of people yeah. doing some experiments, I, Jennifer. Yeah, I, I mean, not off the top of my head, but um, but certainly, I'm also thinking about social media because you were mentioning Facebook Live earlier, and yeah. I think there's such uh, everybody's on social media, especially young people, so with broadcasting sort of spilling into that arena too, I think there are a lot of interesting parallels and convergences where, you know, we still haven't really seen the potential of things like Facebook live, for example. And record that audio too. Right. So, I mean, I think uh, with Facebook live, the, the archive of the live event is, can be on Facebook, but then, you know, why not have, I mean, just have microphones there to see also record the audio. So it can very easily, be a uh, podcast. Of course, you could probably rip the audio out later if, if, if you know how to do that. Mm-hmm. But right. Yeah. And, and just imagine a station, a college station that, that just starts up a Facebook live, you know, session while on air, maybe brings more people in and turns it, you know, cause I think introducing these other elements sometimes it's it, for whatever reason can change how people approach it. Right. Like, so it just adds this extra element into the room that once they're on Periscope or a Facebook Live or something like that, they do things they maybe not have done before. It adds new energy or maybe inspire, or there are folks who are more visual in their thinking, but nevertheless can be there on the radio. Like, I think there's just a lot of opportunities for cross fertilization. I'm glad you brought up Facebook Live, uh, Jennifer, in particular, because, right, there's, there's all these opportunities because that's sort of broadcast, but it's also social media. There's interactive aspects, but it's not is interactive as like a phone call, right? Or, you know, it's not, not a fully uh, sort of two-way kind of thing. There's And, and college stations, man, like you have <laughs> so much, op- especially like in the summer. You mentioned, you know, the summer is a great time yeah. to uh, kind of, to, to kind of work on things or uh, or build things like what a time to kind of experiment yeah, not not to mention the, the the given I think you've already hinted at it that every single one of your listeners has a broadcast worthy device in their in pocket their hands, in, in their, their pocket, hands I and know. they're ready and willing and able this is the generation that's 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 ready to broadcast themselves. This is doing it already, and and you sort of multiply it. I think yeah. when you when you also add in the ability for it to be podcast, the ability for it to be radio, like because it, it just exposes more people to it. Yeah, it's centralized now because now you, you, everyone everyone can broadcast some to one. It's a one to one 
possibility, but if you if you put it onto your stream, yeah, that the the implication is that there's more listeners. Well, and and right, and, and as well because you know people like different modalities for different times. So and some people are very like there are people there are people I talk to who never watch online video. They don't watch online video mm-hmm. at all, but they might be very auditorily inclined, mm. right? They like to listen in the car. They like to listen places. Some people like to do it. Other things like, you know, certainly online video is not so useful. Facebook live less useful for somebody who's in their car. Yeah. Right. And who's, but, but a podcast perfect for somebody who's in their car, or someone who's at the gym or someone who's walking around. Whereas someone sitting at their desk uh, at lunch break or something, or even catching a, a break while at work, Facebook live could be a perfect uh, opportunity for them where uh, actually their live stream or something else may not be such a great opportunity for them. And so it's also thinking about reaching people in all these places where they, they might be open to your message and might be looking for something from someone like you, like in that to, to expect. And I mean, that's the big message. I think it's this big lesson that I think radio survivors is a little bit about these days is like, if we only think about radio as radio and we're, we're super, super, uh, focused on that broadcast spectrum and only think, think about it as broadcast. We are, we are asking, we're literally asking people not to pay attention, a whole lot of people not yeah. to pay attention. And that every station, college, community, public, commercial, needs to think about all of these things. But think about it not as auxiliary, but how do the, how do I think the, the question is not, how, you know, it's not a matter of, and this is what happens too often in, in a lot of organizations. How do we get on Facebook Live? Everyone's talking about Facebook Live. How do we get on Facebook Live, right? And so you do something on Facebook Live, not because you've thought about how to use it, but because it's the, how do we do it? Everyone's there. How do we do Twitter? Twitter, right? So we just write some stuff. Okay. And instead thinking, well, how would a podcast and Facebook live and a Periscope stream or uh, a Snapchat Twitch, you know, a Twitch stream, how could any of these things work together? Like how could, how could it not be a, just one thing? And I have no idea. Like, yeah. like I'm asking the question. I'm very excited as you can tell from, because of, of just sort of this conversation, but I think that's a great question yeah, out we, there. They, they, I, I can, um, I can give a real life example actually from my radio show this week, um, yes. which I hadn't even really thought about, but I had a band on my show and at KFJC, we always do live video streaming of bands that play, which is kind of unusual. I think most stations that video don't run it live. They edit yeah, it yeah. and that's air great. it later. So we do, we always do live video of the band playing. So people could listen to, they could have listened over FM. They could have listened online. They could have watched the live video with audio. Um, and then I think the band must have gotten um, a copy of the video because then they posted it to Vimeo. So now you can go watch an archive of the performance on video. Mm-hmm. You can listen to an archive, an audio archive on the KFJC website in our broadcast archives and at the same time, I was taking screen grabs on my phone of the video and posting those screen grabs on Facebook so that people who maybe even weren't listening could just see pictures from the performance. Wow. I think so, that's an example right there. You've hit people in in like several different platforms, several different types of media that if they were anywhere in – if they have KFJC anywhere in their vision one way or another – however they it represents to them, they had a chance to experience that band in the way that they want to. I mean that that that's the thing, audio or video, because you know, and and 
you know, I've started to use more online video. Of course, it, ironic thing is I worked in online video for <laughs> for 13 years. There you go, Paul. Again, you worked you worked in that medium before it was cool, before it was called, <laughs> before it had before yeah. Facebook Live or, or Periscope or Twitch. It's yeah. become an old saw now on the Radio Survivor podcast that Paul had a podcast uh, before they were. <laughs> but it was an internet. He, he put he put his radio show on the internet. Before yes, it. and I built a, I built streaming servers in two thousand. Yes, <laughs> I, which is true. I was worked in educational video. Um, well, yeah, and even video streaming, like KFJC has been doing video streaming for a long time. Um, so it's funny now to see things like Periscope and Facebook Live. It's like. Yeah, you know, video streaming has existed before that. <laughs> and that, but it just got easier, right? Yeah. It's just all of a sudden, I mean, you know, two things happened. One, it got easier, and two, someone else is paying for it. Right. So you go back, if you go back, especially pre-YouTube, but even, you know, early YouTube, live video still was something that basically, if you wanted to do it, you paid for it. There were services to, to, to provide it, and there were ways to do it, but there wasn't there wasn't any doing it for free and there certainly wasn't doing it from this little device, this little computer that sits in your pocket. And now across all these different places, you have this opportunity to, and, and the thing is if someone said, Oh, I want it on Facebook live and Periscope right uh, now, they won't let you do it, but clear, probably there's a second person in the room with another phone, right? Yeah, everyone's got a phone. <laughs> you can instantaneously, have, you know, you could have like a two camera feed, right? I mean, it just, uh, well, that's what was happening. We talked about this on the podcast during, um, oh, during the filibuster um, and the sit-ins that you know people were broadcasting on Periscope and Facebook Live. They were alternating. Oh, in Congress, cause, yeah, because yeah, different yeah. Um, people had different phones whose batteries were dying, and you know. Just so, handing them off, yeah. And if you prepare, so it's like a little having bit, a multi-camera feed in a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. That was when there was a filibuster about the. Uh, it was about a uh, gun gun law. Um, I don't know. It wasn't even Senate. officially a filibuster because everything had been shut down. Yeah, so but it was a sit-in. It was a sit-in. Yeah, exactly. So, right. I mean, and Congress. And and the great thing about this is, I think, in some ways, that's it, right. The filibuster we did get to see live. Um, but during the yeah. shutdown, oh, okay, two different um, the cameras yeah. were turned off, so we had to have the rogue video. That's right. The thing about these other formats, right, is that unlike maybe even with a podcast in some ways, although I think if you just are willing to just kind of roll with it and just turn on your audio wherever you are, uh, you don't have to plan so much. You don't have to plan. Like you can just start a Facebook live stream. You can just start a Periscope stream. And if you set it to, to keep these things and you can you can have it available for people later um, and it can be kind of instantaneous and you can bring back – you can add that kind of liveness, the sort of sense of anything can happen and it's a little ephemeral but not necessarily inherently ephemeral back to all of this stuff, right? So bring back that spark and spontaneity to radio, which often college radio is very uh, spontaneous and has a lot of spark. Podcasting – often is really spontaneous in part because I think people have just been unmoored by the conventions and the, and sometimes the, the implied responsibility of, of, of a terrestrial broadcast and kind of circle it all together. I don't know. I don't know what it all means, but like, I really want to hear now there's gotta be somebody out here experimenting. So who, who is, who is on a station or online or some way doing something radio podcast, like who is, putting all this stuff in. and we could do it now. And Eric and I did it like once or twice. We did a Periscope stream. I don't really want a live stream. 
I don't want people to know if I if I need to if I'm closing my eyes, <laughs> resting, resting. Right and yet it was kind of fun, right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was a little extra work, and 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 part of it is just uh, I I think my poor brain can't do too many things at once. They, it would be difficult to. Uh, we have Jennifer on the line via Skype, and if we were periscoping at this moment, we'd have to patch. The yeah, the, Skype the audio, patch. audio. It's in, it's doable. Uh, right. It's doable, but yeah. it, it it requires it's another. It's another wrinkle. And it's it, another. If it wrinkle. takes you, know you this, fifteen minutes to set up, it takes you twenty. Yeah, you it's not just for, turn it on instantly. This is reminding me of something that's actually a very old concept, but there are college radio stations that have DJ cams. Yeah, the webcam. Yeah. In the yeah, studio. a lot of radio stations still do that too. Exactly. Um, my the most famous moment I remember is that uh, there was the Channel Six low power television station in Chicago. So it, which is heard on the FM dial because it's still in analog. It's now me TV radio, but it's, it, it's heard at about 87.5, 87.7 FM. They were owned by tribune and, uh, for a little while and they were running it as a sports station, not very successfully. And it's just a couple of years ago. And they had a webcam, which was, I think streamed live on YouTube and the DJs who were on air were just – and it was like a sports talk show mid-afternoon, kind of young guys. And they're like, wait a second. On Twitter, we're, we're, we're finding out that they're shutting down the station. Right. <laughs> and it was live broadcast. So broadcast on the radio. But then because it was on video and on YouTube, it was also captured yeah, and saved. So everyone could see them going, wait, wait a second. Hold on. Wait, right. And then holding up their phones to the camera so sure. everyone could see that well, this, on Twitter they were being fired. This also reminds wow. me of another favorite topic on, on the Radio Survivor podcast, which is the Over the Edge uh, radio program that, that airs on KPFA. The Negative we, Land Negative Show, Land yes. show that we talked about in uh, episode four, I believe. We paid tribute to uh, Don Joyce because he passed away and he was the um, – creative uh, powerhouse behind a lot of that show. And as we talked about then, um, uh, it's, it's an audio, it's a primarily an audio art form, but um, if you are lucky uh, as I had been to be at the time and was, uh, or unlucky still at work at midnight (laughs) and you watching him do the work was visually uh, fascinating because of the equipment and the buttons and the dials and the knobs and the twisting. And, Oh, surprisingly he's sitting back at this point when all this stuff is going on because it's on tape. Oh, but now he's making six cart machines do something at once. And that's what I'm hearing. Um, they have a YouTube channel. That's not, uh, um, uh, it's not populated by a hundred percent of the content that was on the radio, but there's a, there's quite a little bit of behind the well, scenes. There we visuals are. Yeah. So then, you know, there are these examples. This is, this is, this is fantastic. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, drop us a line podcast at radio com. Let us know about any of these great experiments. We can talk about them. We can share them. Maybe we can talk to people behind them. We don't know what it all means, but it's, it, so with all this proliferation of video and Snapchats, our, I think our position is this is great yeah. for radio. This is not a threat to radio. This is not uh, put radio into the retirement home to wait uh, on a slow drip IV until it dies. No, these are ways to invigorate and bring new creativity and, and new ways to, to think about audio, which isn't going away because people still have ears. All right. Well that's said. my rant. Yeah. That's my rant. <laughs> yes, any, we do. Any, <laughs> any last words, Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. I, I still have ears. I, I appreciate that that <laughs> reminder. 
The future is people with ears. There we go. That's the, that's the title of the show. The future is people <laughs> with ears. Just no, no. If you're deaf, <laughs> we would love to have this show uh, transcribed for you. So we, you're probably not hearing us. So I don't really have to. Uh, uh, they might apologize. have friends and family and loved ones. They may have friends and family and loved ones. So it's no no thing against the the, the deaf, and that's a new another. I think another hill for podcasting to climb is to make itself accessible to people. Yeah, who are that's another impaired. topic for the show that every year we should uh, come back around to at some point. Accessibility. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer, for joining us. I had a great time. I hope you did. Oh, yeah. It's always fun to talk about my travels. Yeah, Jennifer uh, came to us over Skype, and we're we really are uh, really glad to have her. Thank you, Eric, and thank you to each and every one of you who has uh, tuned in to listen to this week's show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, have a good week. Well, we thought we were getting pirate radio. I think now we're going to just sort of do a dial. We're at 104.7 FM right now. Yeah, it's awesome. And let's just see what else is here. Yeah, let's do it. It's 105.1. Yeah, okay. We're going to be so cool. 105.5. FM. TV on the radio. 87.9. That's 303-449-4885. Thank you. 88.5 FM. Oh, this is KGNU. Community Radio.
Report comes from North Star Investment 90.1 FM, CPR News. For the past two decades. Ninety point seven FM. Ninety one point one FM. Apparently, Caleb. No evidence. It's not only ninety one point five FM. Presents a risk to the United States economy. For a while now, actually, it's been a risk to the world. Ah, 92.1. Yay, bienvenida, bienvenido al show de Nutrición Curvas Peligrosas. Yo soy esa, LMB, y tengo el día de hoy a Ricardo. It's KJ, Dime, uno, dos, tres. Uno, dos, tres. Ese es tu micrófono. El día de hoy regresó porque lo... Ninety-two point five, the wolf. Ninety-three-three, KTCL. Ninety-three point nine. Matters.com. Matters. Talking about what really matters. It's Mandy Connell on KOA. Emergency alert. Ninety-five point three, ninety-five seven. There's a lot of radio here. Ninety-six point one. Don't change it. Ninety-six point one. I wanna run it out. 
think we've ascertained that there's a lot of radio here. Back to 104.7, but now it might be the Estes Park LPFM, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> 